0: I'm Diana Davison, an advocate for the falsely accused and wrongfully convicted. I started a nonprofit called the Lighthouse Project a few years ago. After receiving so many calls for help, I decided to devote myself to the problem full time. These are the stories that aren't supposed to exist the true tales of innocent people whose lives have been ripped to shreds and they're not allowed to tell their stories. Until now. I've been talking about comedian and talk show host Mike Bullard, who had stalking charges against him thrown out of court, but never got his vindication after two years of legal hell. And this is where his current defamation suit may make a difference.
1: You're listening to Untrue Crime on the Possibly Correct Network with Diana Davidson. Stay up to date with the latest releases and investigations from Diana by following the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Minds and Gab, Or sign up to our email list at www.untruecrimepodcast.com.
0: When all the serious charges were thrown out in Mike Bullard's preliminary hearing, He was told by one of his lawyers that he was vindicated so with the judge urging them to find a resolution instead of wasting more court time the prosecutor continuing to charge him with frivolous new breaches and the prospect of another three years waiting for multiple trials to complete mike bullard agreed to negotiate a plea deal the words you've been vindicated kept ringing in his head and he didn't realize the significance of the charges that he agreed to plead guilty to. All he knew was that they weren't seeking jail anymore and he'd been cleared of stalking. One of the things that's universal to all falsely accused is the enforced silence. For people facing trial their lawyers don't want their evidence argued in the court of public opinion before the trial, so the accused has to sit there for years in silence while their life and livelihood is being destroyed. And if they're finally cleared of all the charges, the allegations have been public for so long that no one remembers or cares about the outcome. There is no vindication. Every acquittal is denounced as yet another failure of the justice system. Now Mike Bullard's accuser reporter Cynthia Mulligan had not been giving media interviews about the case prior to the trial But her side of the story was represented in the news by virtue of the allegations Additionally as I've made clear in this series the allegation that Mike Bullard was stalking her began before all of these events That is precisely why he was frantically texting her so it was the false rumors of stalking that resulted in Mike Bullard being charged with stalking in the first place. Once the criminal charges were dealt with, Mike was keen to get his voice back, but anyone willing to hear his side of the story was getting veiled threats. And as you can see from this podcast, breaking down the sequence of events to explain what happened takes a little more than the average 700 word news article to make matters worse. Cynthia Mulligan's victim impact statement was calculated to generate news with her control of the narrative. And to be sure that happened, Mulligan's best friend, Avery Haynes, who's also a member of the media, she published the full unredacted statement on Facebook. This is a disturbing new trend. The media can publish anything said in court, as long as it's not publication banned and are safe from defamation because it's factual that the statement was read in court. But that doesn't make the statement true. Cynthia Mulligan's statement was written as if Mike Bullard was found guilty of stalking. When the judge threw out that charge, criminal harassment, he specifically stated that if Mulligan experienced fear, it was not reasonable for her to have been afraid. Yet the statement she made had dramatic claims about how legitimate her fear was. Now I've taken the position that crazy people can go around saying crazy things all they want, but it's the job of reporters to make sure that they don't report crazy statements as if they're factual. And that is why Mike Bullard is suing Rogers Media and didn't name Cynthia Mulligan in the lawsuit. Rogers Media is Cynthia Mulligan's employer. She's a reporter at City TV. Rogers also owns Chatelaine Magazine, the publication where the article under dispute was published. While other media outlets quoted from and wrote about Mulligan's victim impact statement, Rogers went further. They had an exclusive interview with Cynthia Mulligan and decided they didn't need to contact Mike Bullard for comment before publication. When they were first served notice of libel, requesting corrections to the article, Rogers took the article offline and responded they trusted that resolved the matter. And you know what, it did. But when I and a couple of other people tweeted about the disappearance of the article, Rogers reposted it without any changes. Two other news outlets had been given notice as well and made acceptable changes. Huffington Post adapted their article and Toronto Star columnist Heather Malick deleted her tweets, which declared Bullard to be a stalker after that charge was dismissed. Now Bullard's statement of claim wasn't particularly unique outside of the fact that a major news network had failed to follow the simple step of requesting comment from the subject of their article. It was Rogers Media's statement of defense that was truly stunning. Because a person claiming to be afraid or feeling some other subjective emotion can't really be fact checked on how they feel There is this new idea now that no fact-checking needs to be done on what they say at all, as long as the alleged victim is female. With the Me Too movement sweeping away all vestiges of sanity, the current claim is that it's in the public interest to report women's feelings and validate them, even if that woman isn't rational. I say a woman's feelings because that is what Rogers Media argued in court, This is a gender bias in favor of women on the premise that women's voices have been silenced for too long, and we now need to publish anyone who's female, no matter how absurd what they say might be. Of course, they haven't thought about why women might have had to fight so long to not be seen as hysterical, emotional basket cases who shouldn't be taken seriously. No, forget all that, history, Rogers says, Let's publish the rantings and ravings of women without a single effort to fact check them. What could possibly go wrong? Of course it's not bizarre to hear people on the internet claiming that we should hashtag believe all women. It's just stunning to hear a major media corporation make that argument in court. And I'll note that the lawyer who crafted this document is a woman. So I don't want anyone thinking that there was some kind of mansplaining going on here coming from the so-called patriarchy. One insight offered in Rogers' statement of defense is that Chatelaine is, quote, primarily targeted to Canadian women. And this doesn't say much about what Rogers thinks of the women they target if they don't think that women deserve quality news. And this disrespectful attitude towards their readership should not go unnoticed. This new approach to libel law, that as long as it's a woman speaking and they are publishing the article for other women to read, that they don't need to worry about the truth, facts, balance, or rationality, it shows a complete disdain towards the very women who buy their magazine. And I wonder whether or not this lack of concern for objective fair reporting is truly just unique to Chatelaine or if those same standards infect all of their operations. Meanwhile, I've come up with a name for this proposed change to defamation law put forth by Rogers Media. I call it the histrionic woman defense.
2: Another thing that happened right after uh, the Chatelaine article came out, is that uh, Joe Warmington wanted to uh, write a story, you know, stating some truths. The fact that I was never charged with stalking. there uh, was never a stalking charge alleged. She didn't even call and report a stalking. And he was going to defend me on the fact that Kevin Donovan wrote a false story. However, I guess uh, somebody named Kate Wheeler, who used to work at CTV, found out. And she sends him a DM on Twitter that threatens him if he uh, decides to write the story. By the way, she called me a coward and a narcissist. You know, I think I may have met this woman once when I was at CTV, but I got to be honest with you, male or female, uh, people whose job it is to read from a teleprompter never held much fascination for me. You're listening to Untrue Crime
1: on the Possibly Correct Network with Diana Davison as she sheds light on the true stories that aren't supposed to exist and investigates the alleged crimes which never even happened. Stay up to date with the latest releases and investigations from Diana by following the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Minds.com and Gab or sign up to our email list at www.untruecrimepodcast.com. While you're online, please show your support and leave a review for the podcast on your chosen media player. You can check out all of our podcasts by following Possibly Correct on Minds.com. Now back to the podcast.
2: Here's a funny story from when I was a kid. Uh, When I was nine and my brother was eight, my parents would go out and they'd hire a sitter and then we would have these huge fist fights in front of the sitter. The sitter would get upset and she'd be... Freaking out when my parents got home saying she never wanted to come again. I remember one time this happened and my dad came in with my mom. And after the after he drove the babysitter home, by the way, that's when he drove the babysitter home and didn't touch her. He came back and uh, said to my brother and I, you know what? I was going to buy you a pony tomorrow, but now that's not going to happen. I was crying. I was freaking out. My brother and I were laying in bed an hour later and he turned to me from his bed and he said, you know we live in a two-bedroom apartment right? It was the first time I ever felt like an asshole well first time of many
0: now if Rogers Media had interviewed some drunkard standing in a downtown alleyway holding up a cardboard sign saying something like Justin Trudeau tried to kill me well reporters wouldn't publish it without making it clear that it was said by a person of dubious merit Fact is, they probably wouldn't publish it at all, even if the sign was held by a woman. So it's not really about the subjective feelings and opinions of women being factually true. It's about who says it and who it's about, and what the media might gain from publishing the statements. Not every story makes for a good article. But in paragraph 36 of their defense, Rogers Media made the argument that they can publish anything they damn well want to without a single concern for verification. They stated the following. The defendants also deny the allegations in the Statement of Claim that they had an obligation and a duty which they failed to fulfill. To thoroughly research, investigate, fact check, and scrutinize the article to verify its truth, before publication. So to break that down, a major media corporation just said they had no obligation to anyone to make sure they didn't publish fake news. They don't have to research. They don't have to investigate. No fact checking and hell, why even bother scrutinizing a statement before publishing? I mean, I've heard some sketchy claims about the rights of journalists before, but for Rogers to say they don't even need to scrutinize what they're told before publishing, well, that would change the legal landscape of defamation law in Canada. It means that they can say anything about anyone without that bothersome requirement of even deferring to common sense first. They go on to say in the same paragraph, The defendants also expressly deny that they had an obligation to provide mr bullard with a reasonable opportunity to respond so keep this in mind if you have anything to say about rogers media or their employees in the future don't bother to contact them for comment before publishing because they don't think that you have to apparently it's beneath them and a waste of time now i've decided not to follow their advice but In case they ever try to sue anyone for defamation in the future, you'll want to quote that little paragraph back at them. The paragraph concludes, as said out above, the article contained Ms. Mulligan's opinions, which were not capable of verification. The statements of fact in the article are true. The defendants did not fail to discharge any duties they owed to Mr. Bullard. So what they're saying here is that as long as they make it clear that what they're writing is merely someone's opinion, then they don't have to do anything other than just quote her and make sure they put quotation marks around it. And there would be some truth to that, as long as they gave context to what the person is saying and made some kind of effort to get the other side of the story. In fact, Rogers Media has just, in this paragraph, told the public that they are no more reliable a news source than anyone else. And that's a huge problem for the media in terms of credibility. And Cynthia Mulligan herself has been quoted saying that from the very beginning, she was afraid Mike Bullard would damage her credibility. Well, it seems that Mulligan had more to worry about from her own employers because it gets even better. In paragraph 13 of their statement of defense, so this precedes the last paragraph, we can put a little flavor on what Rogers thinks of Cynthia Mulligan's opinions themselves. They say, quote, the clear theme that emanates from the article is that both societal responses to and the criminal justice system's response to crimes of harassment do not adequately account for the victim's perspective or the harm they have suffered. The article suggests that crimes of harassment cause harm to the victim bracket, even if the harm is not rational or objective and bracket, and these crimes need to be taken more seriously. So what they've just said here is that Cynthia Mulligan's opinions don't need to be rational or objective in order for her employer to green light her saying those things on city TV or in any other publication that they own. I look forward to city tv's new introduction and now for a word from our reporter cynthia mulligan who may or may not be rational or objective over to you cynthia and i have to wonder what mike bullard could have possibly said about cynthia mulligan on air that would be worse for her credibility than having her own employer rogers media unwilling to say that they think she's rational of course at this point Rogers had been presented with the words that the judge, who threw out the stalking charge after determining Mulligan's fear, was not rational, so they're kind of backpedaling now. But they should have known. Transcripts from the Raw article interview show that the author, Sarah Bosveld, was specifically told by Cynthia Mulligan that the judge said she had no reason to be afraid of Mike Bullard. Bosfeld was surprised at this and noted that she should read that verdict before writing the article but then she didn't bother. These transcripts were produced by Rogers Media as part of the discovery process in the lawsuit and it filled in a lot of blanks for Mike Bullard. There were a lot of things that Bullard suspected but didn't have proof of. Things that he was being told by third parties rumors that were getting back to him, but for which he had no proof. It was like having gone full circle back to the summer of 2016 when he first started hearing the malicious rumors that he was stalking Cynthia Mulligan and he couldn't find a way to track it down to the source. And just like that fateful summer, any attempt he made to clear up the gossip was being silenced. Absurdly, Rogers Media has claimed that the article in Chatelaine was not about Mike Bullard. It was about the justice system. But the article was called, quote, He was like two different people, Cynthia Mulligan on Mike Bullard's harassment and his guilty plea, end quote. This brazen disregard for fair reporting does not just affect Mike Bullard. It should concern us all. What Rogers is telling us is that any one of us can have our names and reputations trashed in one of their headlines and they don't even need to offer you a chance to comment or respond to the allegations and they don't even need to find out if the allegations are true before they publish. Now the first obvious question is why the hell did Rogers Media just admit that? The next question is How many other media outlets believe the same thing? No major news organizations have taken an interest in this defamation suit so far, but every time a media corporation is sued for defamation, the outcome could affect them all. The public generally believes that if something is published in the news, it's been investigated or fact-checked to some extent. The media depends on that public trust to separate them from independent bloggers on the internet who are increasingly presenting competition to the media and changing the way that the public receives their news in fact in court rogers media told the judge that the news outlet isn't as wealthy as people think and i'm going to suggest that it's their own damn fault
2: Hey, yeah, I just found out that Charles Manson was a follower of L. Ron Hubbard. Legendary comedian Mike Bullard, you know what, Tom? Is That's it for
1: me, With his Don't new bother podcast, U2 with Mike Bullard on it. the Possibly Correct Network. Listen as Mike shares his unique perspective on life, tackling real issues and interviewing an incredible lineup of guests with unpredictable and often hilarious results. Subscribe to the U2 podcast today by going to www.utomikebullard.com. And for the latest from Mike, make sure to follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Minds.com, and Gab. You can check out all of our podcasts by following Possibly Correct on Minds.com. Now back to the show.
2: I was at 1010 for what? I don't know, eight years? And uh, when Bell bought the company, bought Astral, and we became part of Bell Media, we also inherited Bell Let's Talk Day. Or as I used to call it, Let's Pretend to Talk Day. The reason I called it that was because, you know, they're doing all this stuff about mental health. And the uh, employee satisfaction survey is coming back at 17% year after year after year. And this is when I knew the place had gone completely corporate horseshit. About two weeks beforehand, they'd go, do you have your depression anecdotes ready for Bell Let's Talk Day? And I'd keep getting asked, like, right up till two days before, and I just ignored the question. (laughs) And uh, then uh, they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing, so... Uh, I just did it every year without a depression anecdote. I treated it the same way. I would throw in, a, "Hey, for every uh, text you send today, five cents goes to mental health." That was basically all I did. But the whole thing cracked me up. It was like uh, George. One Cope's of the most stunning project.
0: admissions and in know, Rogers' media statement of defense in is a very short his, paragraph which revisiting their own depressing. lack of faith. Cynthia Mulligan's opinions in paragraph 18 Rogers writes nothing in the article supports the inference pleaded in the statement of claim that the article infers that Miss Mulligan's fears were reasonable instead the article is clear that mr. Bullard never physically threatened Miss Mulligan that would have made a nice editorial note at the beginning of the article like you know right at the top before anyone started reading it thinking that they were going to get a rational story. Of course, that's not something that Rogers wants to publicly say about their own news reporter. They're only saying it now because they've been presented with the judge's ruling. And it's true that they quoted Mulligan saying, he never physically threatened me, yet I did feel threatened. The thing is, they also quote her saying, as a veteran reporter, that she's not someone who scares easily, quote, I was trying to handle this in a very rational, calm way without overreacting, end quote. They also comment on how she still has security cameras installed in her home. Of course, a lot of people have security cameras, and in court, Rogers was unable to answer the question of how cameras would stop unwanted text messages. This kind of manipulation can be intentional or unintentional, And Rogers Media has relied upon the courts and public believing that despite a refusal to investigate or even scrutinize Cynthia Mulligan's statements, they honestly believed the statements to be true, hence they think they had no malice towards Mike Bullard when they published. That doesn't mean that they had no malice towards the women who read their publication. You know, those women who they don't think care about the veracity of their news but in the course of producing the raw transcript from the interview with Cynthia Mulligan, Rogers Media produced evidence of malice. It was in fact so damning that I wonder if the lawyers actually read their own material before handing it over and continuing their defense of Boesfeld's article. One of the reasons I don't think they read their own transcripts is that the original affidavit from Boesfeld and these are usually written by the lawyers, said in paragraph 19, quote, Ms. Mulligan's status as a Rogers employee had nothing to do with why I chose to interview her or write the story, nor did any of the Chatelaine editors or anyone else that I work with express to me that the article should be published because Ms. Mulligan worked for the same company as we did. In fact, it did not even occur to me that she and I worked for the same company, the first time that came up was when we were trying to source a photo of Miss Mulligan to go with the article after it was already prepared for publication." End quote. Yet in the transcript produced by the very same motion record, the following exchange took place between Sarah Bosfeld and Cynthia Mulligan during their very first interview. Boesveld, okay, well, how are you feeling about, like, do you want, and also your station, like, What have you talked to them about like have they covered this are they not covering it or not mulligan they really didn't cover it they did a brief yesterday boesfeld says okay mulligan but other than that they haven't covered it because they were worried about blurring the lines boesfeld right yeah i guess so mulligan and not appearing impartial so they made the choice to not cover it then boesfeld replies Okay, yeah, I just I did wonder we are both in the Rogers family. Now, an affidavit is something sworn under oath, and it becomes a problem if there's a statement in there that can be proven to be false. As such, a correction was issued to the original affidavit on that point. But it does indicate that the lawyers who drafted the affidavit didn't actually read their own material first so to cover up for that journalistic failure to provide disclosure they claimed in court that by crediting rogers media as the source for their photo of cynthia mulligan that they had met their disclosure requirements now it's not a surprise to me that they think chatelaine's audience of women are stupid they've made that abundantly clear what does surprise me is that they think the judge will be stupid enough to believe them and of course by not reading their own material first, Rogers' lawyers missed the part where they provided proof of malice. Boesfeld and Mulligan discuss the fact that they aren't telling Bullard's side of the story in a way that makes clear they have no intention of creating a balanced story. Boesfeld says, quote, You and me as journalists know it's both sides of the story, but at the same time, like in his mind, maybe he has a message, but you're like, there are women who are at risk and feeling awful in this moment. And yeah, I think you have more of a public interest. As journalists, we have to wait the public interest." End quote. Again, this tells you a lot about what Sarah Boesfeld and Rogers Media think about whether or not women care about fair and balanced news. And don't think they actually care about all women. Because the next thing said by Mulligan is, quote, Yesterday I was upset and then Saturday night Bullard posted on Twitter He's posing with Mississauga mayor Bonnie Crombie at a party. I'm thinking. What is she thinking? And Bosfeld replies Quote, she probably doesn't know she might have her head up her ass Nice, isn't it? It's very important for the public to know that when Rogers media claims they are giving women a voice they actually just mean some women They mean women who share their opinions and women who don't care about honesty or accuracy in their reporting, preferring to have their opinions spoon-fed to them by Sarah Boesfeld and Cynthia Mulligan. Now I've spoken to a few people in the media about the things Boesfeld has said in this interview, and the general response is that they were shocked and surprised. I'm told she's a very nice person who wouldn't normally behave this way. I've even been told by someone who knows her that they felt Boesfeld was saying things in order to please Cynthia Mulligan. And that is very concerning. It reminds me of the evidence that Cynthia Mulligan's colleague lied to police and the courts about how she came to forward a text message from Mike Bullard, which resulted in more criminal charges against him because that was a live question in that issue as well. Why did Pam Seidel do that? She obviously wasn't comfortable with it, seeing as Pam Seidel refused to give a police statement. So we're left with a question here that is repeating itself. What is it about Cynthia Mulligan which makes people say things out of character? What is making so many good people suddenly act unethically when they cross her path? I can guarantee you that none of the reporters who've confided in me want to put themselves in that path which is why I've kept their names anonymous but that raises another concern public narratives versus the truth these stories that pit women against men stories that demonize men saying things like he was like two different people They feed into stereotypes that the feminist movement has fought for decades to overcome. Why after all these years are we regressing to the point where a woman's magazine is claiming that women are too meek and vulnerable to speak up? Why is a strong woman like Cynthia Mulligan claiming she needs protection from the police even though Mike Bullard never said anything threatening? If you believe Mulligan is telling the truth, is this the kind of message that should be promoted? Stay tuned for the next episode, in which Rogers Media files an anti-slap motion, claiming that Mike Bullard is suing them in order to silence Cynthia Mulligan, even though he didn't name her in the lawsuit.
1: You're listening to Untrue Crime on the Possibly Correct Network. Stay up to date with the latest releases and investigations from Diana by following the podcast on Facebook, Minds.com and Gab. Or sign up to our email list at www.untruecrimepodcast.com.